Well, welcome into Brewcast for Maze of Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani here with you on Monday night, April 19th, and headed into Tuesday, April 20th. Uh, we've got a lot to get to here today. Reminder, we are uh, recording this for those listening on the podcast live on YouTube, live on the Maze of Brew YouTube channel, as well as the Maze of Brew Twitch channel. So thank you to everyone uh, hanging out. Going to take your questions here in a bit. Obviously, some big uh, football news at the end of last week that, uh, uh, well, we were none too thrilled about, but that dominated the conversation uh, for a couple of days. And got some new news uh, here today on a former Michigan quarterback on where he's going to be going. But before we get into all that anthony chris what's going on fellas how we doing here today well it's good to be here um not as not as sharply dressed as our our co-host was in his podcast appearance over the weekend but good to be here nonetheless uh you know we're getting to the part of the off season where sometimes it feels like we have to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel for storylines but we have things to talk about today we're going to take questions from people here and and some people have already uh sent them on in and we'll get to those at the end of the show but yeah, it's good to be back. Always good to be here with uh, you two strong, handsome gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, th- sometimes it gets difficult in the summer months, but the one thing you you can't deny about Michigan football is they are a content machine. Whether negative or positive, there is always some feathers being ruffled, and uh, we we got a fair amount of that last week uh, with the uh, Xavier Worthy news. So, yeah, if there's anyone out there worried about how we're going to find content, this this football program, basketball program as well, but especially during the offseason, the football program, they just like finding things to talk, giving us things to talk about. And in that way, God bless them for it. Dude, it never stops. No. Legitimately. It's it's truly amazing. And it as of late, obviously, it, it, it seemed to be – a little more negative uh, than positive, you know. Uh, this this past one last week was obviously for for those that have been I, I don't know. Hopefully, just disconnected from all of this. You know, I I salute you if you were able to do that. But uh, Xavier Worthy, I believe Thursday of last week, the news broke and uh, he made it official that he asked out of his letter of intent to the University of Michigan. He does plan on playing elsewhere. Um, and sounds like this was a, a factor of things. So at first we, we knew there was some weird things that happened with his admissions and the fact that he wanted to enroll early, but wasn't able to sounds like it was maybe a bit of a, a clerical error. Uh, sound like Angelique had heard that reported that on Twitter a little bit, but we also, uh, heard rumblings of maybe some, uh, negative recruiting that was happening with Xavier Worthy. So it kind of, it seemed that there was a, a vacuum created by the administration and the admini- uh, admissions office to allow for the negative recruiting to happen. And, and ultimately sounds like that may have happened. And Xavier Worthy is going to be playing football elsewhere. And I, I think it's a, obviously a big blow. You know, he's a, a top 100 guy um, in what was going to be a good recruiting class. We were hoping, you know, him and JJ McCarthy were going to gel and, you know, be the next great duo of Michigan football, but uh, obviously that's not going to be the case. And I know some people try to spin it as a positive. You know, we've, we've heard good things about Andrell Anthony and, and some of these other guys, you know, that were here last year. What, what did you guys, what was your main takeaway from all this? Pain. Yeah. Suffering. <laughs> um, and the immediate reaction from a lot of people as well, you know, 
Andre Anthony had a good spring and Christian Dixon, Dixon had a good spring and Gustav AJ Henning and blah, 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 whatever. We talk all the time about, and I'm not trying to start on a negative note, but here we are. It's the title of the podcast uh, this week. We got to talk about the bad things. We talk all the time about how there being, there is a talent. I mean, there's a talent gap with Ohio state. The, the, the extent of that can be debated. Uh, you know, it's it's splitting hairs. It's four stars versus other four stars and five stars, what have you. Michigan more has a player development problem, if you ask me. But when you talk about what closing that gap looks like and how you put yourself in a position to win that game, it's by accruing top 100 recruits like Infinity Stones, like the Buckeyes do. Or at least for every two they grab, you grab one of them. Xavier Worthy is a top 100 guy who has home run speed, tra- literal track speed, a guy who, who knows, might go down and play for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas and be the next Devontae Smith, similar builds, all that type of stuff. It's massively disappointing. And if it is a clerical error on Michigan's, I mean, this is, so when people talk about there being administrative things or um, school things that hold back the football program, if this was indeed an admissions issue, this is the type of thing that people are referring to. It's why you don't see you see way more transfers out than transfers in because there are, you know, certain credits here and there. And I don't know how the admissions process works. I would have never gotten into the University of Michigan. So it is what it is there. Um, the fact that for I mean, I don't know if, if it is a clerical issue that led to this because he wanted to be here. I mean, as of a couple of weeks ago. There were people, you know, coaches telling people or, or players telling people that Xavier Worthy's coming and, and they couldn't get it ironed out. The the scuttlebutt is that Jim Harbaugh and Josh Geddes kind of bent over backwards to try and make this happen. And Michigan's administration, whatever it is, admissions would not budge. And that is Michigan's problems on the field are much bigger than that, but that's an area that doesn't help them at all. So you have to be so much your margin of error is so much less in these other areas. If you can't get these borderline guys in and we just know in those borderline areas, they haven't done very well in terms of coaching player development and, and uh, you know, recruiting top 100 guys. So it's massively, massively disappointing. Yeah. I, you, you, you said it very eloquently. I I guess the, the, the take that what I can add to this conversation is, my initial reaction, which I think you asked about, Luke, was just we we need to come up with a term for this that's relative to SOL. I mean, SOM, SOM, same old. Like, this is very – Michigan football, in a weird way, is starting to mirror the New York Mets. And for people who aren't baseball fans, the Mets are the kings of having these really random injuries and suspensions, guys getting into the wrong cab and getting sick. You know, guys breaking their feet on their ranch like Joanna Cespedes did. It just feels like they, I've never seen this happen ever like at, at any other school. Um, and do I think it's, oh, it's only because it's a Michigan problem? No, I just, it is stunning to me that something like this can happen for a guy who basically just committed. Um, it's brutally disappointing. I will say, and I, I can't call it a silver lining, but I do think there will be depth at that position. Like, I don't think that the wide receiver core is now completely ruined uh, because they they lost out on Worthy. Now, it hurts. It hurts because no one's really established themselves. We could obviously make the argument that a big reason for that is because of the quarterback play, and that's probably a fair argument. But I, I think the wide receiver 
core wide receiver group will be okay, but it's symbolically the, the symbolically this bothers me a, a lot more because man, every time it seems like they're getting up on their feet, uh, they end up falling down again somehow. Yeah, so it's it's really it, it sucks to lose a talented guy, obviously like Xavier yeah. Worthy, but just the principle of the whole situation right. really it feels way worse, you know, than than just losing one player because it's like it, by all accounts this could have been easily avoided it sounds like and this is part of why i know we've talked about it and i understand you know i i know i've said this before about jim harbaugh and i understand he hasn't met expectations at michigan you know he's come close a couple of times he, he started out hot out the gate you know but but obviously things have kind of taken a turn for the worse but i think I, I think it's partly his fault but i think there is a lot this is what i've always said that there's something behind the scenes that's kind of preventing Michigan from winning. Like if Jim Harbaugh cannot consistently win at the university of Michigan, I don't know who the hell can, because the guy has won literally everywhere he's ever gone trash programs. He's made them winners, went to the NFL, made the 49ers a winning team, went to three NFC championship games. The man wins football games yet somehow, some way at the university of Michigan, to, with with the with the budget with the money that they've got facilities the the recruiting prowess the guy can't win like it, it's it's partly on him but I I really feel there is something behind the scenes and I think this was kind of a peek behind the curtain into one of those things that it, it's just these these factors that you don't see that's preventing this program from taking that next step. Yeah, and there's a comment on the YouTube. And, and get your comments and questions in on YouTube and Twitch. Um, this is from Kevin. He says, the admissions excuse is a cop-out. The admissions issue is fixed. When Xavier was in Arbor, he chose to leave campus. I don't have inside info on that. I don't know what the pay sites are saying. I mean, it's I I don't know. I don't know. It's a, Here's what it boils down to, regardless of what it is. It's a joke, and it sucks. Um, yeah. I know people are looking for more eloquent answers than that, but uh, – I don't know. You're looking to, I know people say, Oh, we haven't developed wide receivers in the past. If we, whenever we have too many talented guys that don't pan out anyways, if you believe that fine. But again, right now it's just a lotto tickets. They're scratch offs and, and yeah, they might not pan out and history would suggest some of those higher end guys might not. I mean, Michigan hasn't had a skilled player drafted in the first round since Braylon Edwards. So that speaks for itself, but um, you know, they still have, there's just, I don't know what the disconnect is um, with the things that kind of bite them in the rear end on Twitter last week. I kind of just said, it's a cosmic thing. I mean, I've seen them. We've seen them lose to Appalachian state. We've seen them lose, you know, a sure Blake O'Neill had a good year. It was a good punter, but he had one bad play at Michigan that defines his entire career. We saw that happen in that Michigan state game. We saw them lose an Ohio state game in Columbus by an inch. Like, Everyone tries to diagnose, like first we could go into the, what ails them. That could be its own podcast. And um, we've done that before. It just outside of the obvious tangible things, it just feels like this goes back. This is almost a two decade thing. Now we're like, it's just a Murphy's law cosmic yeah. prison that we're in. I don't understand it. Uh, when it rains, it pours and it continues to rain after that. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm feeling the same way. Like I don't even have much else to add. I just know it's remarkably disappointing. I mean, it's it's April nineteenth, and we're all and they've already disappointed us. So, yeah, it's 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 extremely frustrating. And I know, like obviously, they will they'll never say it, but I am sure that internally within the program, there's been rumblings about that too. Of like, man, is I mean, can can we just have one like solid off season, no controversy, nothing goes wrong, and it just doesn't <laughs> seem like we can get through it. At some yeah. point, we'll get like a psychic on here, and maybe we can have, have them to, read, yeah. read tarot cards or something. But yeah, yeah. we've had a we, we've had a few people trying to talk about uh, Andrella Anthony in, in, in the spring game and stuff like that. There was one comment earlier, Anthony, you put up talking about uh, you know we hear about these guys in a spring game and then we never hear from them again. Well, that's mostly true. I feel like the the first we ever heard of Ronnie Bell was kind of the spring game, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I remember the guys like Freddie Canteen and Mike Sane were still like, we're still kind of waiting for him to break out. Um, Those are the types of guys I remember. Um, Ronnie Bell, I feel like he was a spring or he was a a fall camp and really. Oh, he was a, he was a fall camp standout that we didn't really, that we got excited about. Here's the other thing, like about the wide receiver room. It's less about the fact that you've lost worthy but you lose giles jackson too so those are two of the faster wide receivers that you how much how much of that by the way played a part in this whole xavier worthy thing because i uh, didn't yeah i was gonna say wasn't part of the reason uh worthy decided to come to michigan was because of giles partially i guess um i don't know it's on one hand you kind of want to pile on michigan but on the other hand it's like Think about all of these strange, I mean, outside of Najee Harris, like that massively worked out for him, but it always just seemed to me like a lot of these strange recruitment sagas. Um, Chris Clark is the one that comes to mind. Um, I think he was at, uh, he finished his college career having played for like five or six schools. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not bagging on the kid. Like, it seems like he wanted to be here and this is less on like, if there is a part that's on Sarkeesian and Texas and negative recruiting, I believe like I believe that's there. And I know there are people inside the building that believe that was there, but some of those other factors didn't really make it easier for Michigan either. And I tend to believe that that kind of played a little bit more of a factor because um, position coach, like Josh Gaddis is still there coaching the wide receivers, coordinating right. the offense. Nothing really changed there. So it is odd, uh, but all we know is odd. So, yeah. So I like that wide yeah. receiver room though. Still, I think I, I, I do top yeah. three. Yeah. With, uh, I think your best three last year when they were on the field at one time was Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. I think with just those three, you could have something there, and then whatever you get from everyone else is kind of gravy. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like it's pretty few and far between that you get a true freshman receiver that really makes a huge difference at the the highest level of college football. Right. Anyway, you know, we remember time. you remember 2017, we banked on that ridiculous wide receiver class coming in uh, Tariq Black, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones and Nico Collins all all coming in and. The offense wasn't very good in 2017, man. I know Tariq started out pretty good. Oh, the went over a calendar year without catching a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, like what was was Xavier Worthy going to help this year? Probably. Was he going to be like a God saving grace to the offense? Like, no, but you're going to feel his impact probably two to three years down the line, you know? Yeah. No, I, we also I had, uh, I, I mean, you have any final thoughts on this Xavier Worthy situation? 
I, I don't have anything else to add. No. If he does go to Texas and play for Sark, I think he's going to probably do very well there. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't probably. know if Sarkeesian's going to work at Texas, but I think they'll be good offensively. So, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. That'll be fun. I'm, I'm a little confused by the other news we got here today, man. Uh, it sounds like we have a Joe Milton transfer destination. And I saw someone point this out, and it was perfect. I can't remember who was on Twitter said pretty much he's just going to the Michigan of the South. Yeah. Which is exactly what Tennessee is. So this is a, a, a interesting move on his part. Tennessee is like, I don't know if it's just Tennessee. Like before the Titans were good, I just kind of forgot they existed like every once in a while. And that's kind of just yeah. how I feel about Vols football too, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing about Tennessee football is I don't think they were ever as good as people think. Like they, they had really like a five year stretch with Philip Palmer where they were elite, but they were, they've, ne- they were never like the perennial power winning sec championships every other year, the way Michigan was in the seventies and eighties in the, in the big 10. But I mean, yeah, I Michigan's gotten and lost a lot of quarterbacks um, over the last Real, real 10, 15 years. And some have gone on to mild success, but most haven't like Spate didn't do anything at UCLA. Um, I probably, and this is crazy. I, unless I'm, I might be leaving somebody out, but the most successful one that they lost was probably Shane Morris. Central Michigan, baby. Exactly. I mean, he had a nice little, uh, they had a nice little year there. So, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, um, when people have left Michigan's program, uh, they weren't that particularly great at Michigan and they didn't end up being great anywhere else. With that said, if there's one who I feel like could be capable of breaking the mold, it might be Milton. I don't know. I, I still am not sure what, what happened with him. Um, cause we saw flashes, you know, you can take any random play from 2018 and garbage time against Ohio State and make it look cool. But he played a nice game against uh, Minnesota last year. Very efficient ball game. He they they lost to Michigan State, and if they had a great quarterback, they might have ended up winning. But he wasn't the reason they lost that game. Like you know, having Ricky White was the reason they lost that game, right? And 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 you know, Don Brown doing uh, single coverage all on four verticals every single time uh, MSU threw the ball deep that game. Uh, but then all of a sudden it was. After the Indiana game, all his confidence was just completely shook. And it got mm-hmm. to, like, it, it was a quick nosedive where he went from pretty darn good to, eh, we'll see, to, like, I mean, when Steven did the breakdowns of the Wisconsin game, it was just astonishing, like, that it, this was a quarterback who was 
so unconfident with himself that he wasn't going through his progressions. And I mean, literally throwing the ball borderline intentionally to the other team. It felt like at points. Um, so I know he's got the build for it. I know he's got the makeup. Um, I wish him the best, uh, how he develops at Tennessee. If he ends up having a lot of success, I think the view of the Harbaugh era then changes once again. Cause if they have a really great quarterback that goes to another school and succeeds, I mean, people are going to be getting the torches and pitchforks out because if you lost, if you lost an elite talent, I don't think he'll be elite. I don't think he'll be great, but the ceiling is still there. I, I will say, there. yeah, I mean, I, he's just got to be average to, to start at Tennessee. I, I would imagine. I mean, they've been, cause he, he started here obviously, but Kate, I guess should have been the guy. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. He I was, still, I, I, I still know. can't, I still can't wrap my head around just that fall from grace from the Minnesota game last year. I, I literally cannot wrap my head around it. So quick. Like, yeah. I, I know Michigan wasn't a good football team, but damn, they played pretty good that night. And I know Minnesota wasn't great, but what did Wisconsin scored like what? 10 points in their next three games after the Michigan game and Michigan made them look like they were going to be Rose bowl champs, you know, like I, I, they weren't a good team, Wisconsin and Michigan made them look like they were the greatest team in college football. I, I do not know what happened after that Minnesota game. That was the most mind blowing thing I'll never be able to get over. Yeah. They had a confidence and a poise problem. Like, and I think that's been there, but it came to a head last year and it was pretty ugly. Like if, when they got punched in the mouth, it was over. There was no fight in that team at all. Um, mm-hmm. Which and, think- and do you remember after that Minnesota game, they were like, this team is different because we're not like that. That was like the, that was the thing that entire week. Yeah, it's, man, it's bad. There was no, like no composure. Like they got too high and then they got way too low and couldn't come back from that. Um, you know, even if God, who's to say, even if they win that Michigan state game, that the bottom doesn't still fall out because I just don't think there was a, a center, like a, um, you know, a center mindful center for them to come back to. Right. Um, there was so much pressure on them given what had happened the last few, like it just all kind of came to an ugly head and it doesn't help. Like I said, um, I told someone this a couple weeks ago when we were talking quarterbacks and Joe Milton, you're asking a guy to go out there down two scores already because you get punched in the mouth on the first offensive drive of the game or the first defensive possession of the game. You come out and go three and out, or you turn the ball over. Your defense comes out, gets punched in the mouth again. You're down two scores before you even off of the scripted play sheet yet. So, um, and Milton was obviously a guy who didn't do very well off script. So how's he going to do at Tennessee? I mean, no disrespect for him, for, to him, but who really cares? Because if he sucks, he'll have been the quarterback bust that originally started at Michigan. And if he's great, it will be because he got terrible coaching at Michigan. Um, right. And, you know, you, you look at him too, and he has three years of eligibility remaining. And I don't know if how long he'll choose to serve that out, but he's like 6'5", 6'6", 240, 245. I almost wonder, like, given that the quarterback has gone so poorly for him, maybe he could play tight end. And I know that's the position change thing is um, cliche, especially when it comes, you know, everyone wants to change the position of the black quarterback. We know how that goes. It's annoying. It's stupid. Look at like the Lamar Jackson thing. Um, But I I wonder physically speaking, if he would be a pretty good tight end Um, because Michigan was able to take, you know, Zach Gentry and turn him into, 
know, whoever was a fifth round pick, but um, the NFL's turned Logan Thomas into a pretty good yeah. tight end. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of weird how um, Ed Warner talked about this in a media session. I think while well, we were still doing scrums in person and he said that uh, he, he made a comment about how these high school tight ends kind of get frustrated because they get turned into offensive linemen once they get to college. And he's like, all right, well do me a favor, go look at what tight ends make and then go look at what the top offensive linemen make. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny that those guys in high school go from tight end to offensive line. And these quarterbacks go from quarterback to tight end. It's, it's weird how the positions change like that. That was a tangent, but you know, it happens. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly going to be rooting for Joe Milton. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it would be cool to, to see him succeed. It just obviously uh, wasn't going to happen here. And then last year, you know, the, the, the culture, it just, everything went sour. So I hope he does well, kind of, you know, and he, especially being in a different conference, like I rooted for Brandon Peters in the same conference. If he, if he wasn't playing Michigan, you know, it was good to see him go to Illinois and have some success, you know? So I'll, I'll be rooting for him. I just, it's Tennessee, man. Like they're no, they're, they're the exact same as Michigan. They're just playing the sec. So I I, I, I can't imagine that there's going to be success there. Yeah. I was surprised he didn't go to like UCF or something, but then right. um, Tennessee's new coach is from UCF. So maybe there was a little bit of a relationship. Like, it's a transfer isn't always about, oh, the guy just wants to go where he can start. Maybe it's just a place where he's comfortable. Um, right. Is it going to be more fun to sit, the, you know, let's just say he's a backup quarterback at Tennessee. You're going to have more fun doing that at Tennessee or doing it in Michigan where there's an insane amount of pressure on everyone. Um, everyone has kind of dragged you through the mud on social media. And the second, the first, the guy above you struggles, they're going to love you. And if you make a mistake, they'll hate you. Like, it's just, it's so toxic. That's right. You're the most popular guy in town to be the backup at Michigan, man. Oh yeah. yeah that's the best. Yeah. They're always one guy away. So it's always the next guy. Yeah, I know. I feel, I, I and literally, I that. would try and be Alex Moran as much as I could at U of M. <laughs> you know, Dan, Dan Valari, I bet you is the, the happiest man on the Michigan roster. Um, Cause Hey, yeah. I mean, he, I'm sure he wants to play, but you get to wear right. that one helmet. You get to look cool standing on the sidelines like this. And man, I'll say this JJ McCarthy, man. Enjoy this year. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be the savior <laughs> for, for a calendar year. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but maybe let's move to that. Um, Kate McNamara is the starting quarterback and this is, mm. this is, yeah. they've named that. Like it's Nate, Jim Harbaugh hasn't, but it's probably the, yeah, it's probably the earliest we've ever actually had like a, a like we, Shea. We knew that Shea Patterson would start the two years he was here, but they right. never. They were, oh, you know, competition's ongoing. Yeah, um, I, I think is a starting quarterback. Yeah, I think that there there's strategy to that. I know Harbaugh has not uh, specifically come out and said it, but I. It's one of the reasons why I've never liked two quarterback systems in general. Is I always feel like it it hurts the confidence of one quarterback knowing you got another guy breathing down your neck if you throw an errant pass or an interception. Um, I, so I, I think their idea is, all right, you know what, let's call let's, let's establish this. He's our guy. He's going to be here. He's our quarterback going forward, trying to instill in him the confidence to that. He's going to be the guy, which I don't think is a terrible idea. And yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of just figured it'd be Cade a- anyway, but yeah, it seems like he's firmly established himself and really McCarthy and the, and the, the, the other transfer, they haven't really had enough time to establish themselves anyway. So yeah, go make it Cade. 
Yeah, I mean, at least going into fall camp, you know, I guess anything could happen when we do get into fall camp, but I'm fully expecting I thought Kate did a good job last year, you know, as much as it was. And, you know, obviously going to have to try to adjust with with some receivers that are going to be a little more comfortable in the system. I think that's at the end of the day, you know, you got to have guys to throw to, you know, so. I mean, if we if we do have some of these guys uh, like Andrell Anthony that are um, and AJ Henning that are a little more comfortable in the system here this year. I mean, if Eric all, you know, apparently he's got great hands in practice, but, you know, if he, he transitions that to games and he doesn't drop a bunch of wide open passes like we know Michigan loves to loves to use those tight ends. So uh, that's a guy that could could have a big year, too. You know, I mean, the, the weapons are probably going to be there this year. I think, you know, Cade showed that showed some glimpses that he could certainly be the guy and lead this team to some wins. Yeah. And, and here's the okay. thing I like about Cade McNamara as a quarterback. And, and again, we haven't seen a ton of him, but even coming out of high school, like he was just a guy that comes in and runs the offense, makes the throws, makes the appropriate read. He might not make the, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, highlight reel play where he scrambles 50 yards out of the backfield and, and throws with his left hand, with his eyes closed, whatever. Um, but I think Cade, like what, what this offense needs is to go back to the basics of what this system is going to be, which what we've said before, it's a right. West coast um, kind of a pro spread passing attack and just, just run the offense and, and find, put, put your best, put your best guys on the field. Cade McNamara. I, I like that. They've just named Cade McNamara the starter because yeah. It does. It, I mean, to me, it takes the pressure off of JJ McCarthy because anything he does is he's not expected to start. So anything he does in his development um, is gravy this year. And I do think he's going to play at some point. But uh, no, like I said, back to basics with Cade McNamara. Just run your offense. Get your best, most comfortable guys on the field. Hopefully, that means that um, you're going to fu- figure out who your one to two best running backs are, and not do this. Uh, carousel of four or five guys getting touches and then one guy not seeing the field like Hassan Haskins having 50 yards on one drive and then not seeing the field for two more series is that type of shit has to stop yeah honestly. I hope I hope the Mike Hart edition kind of puts an end to that that's that's going to be huge here because that's to me that's the biggest upgrade they've made is forget that there's you know the Michigan alum nameplate next to him that's probably the best running back coach hire you could possibly make right now um, mm-hmm. for any program so, to, and and it sounds like, I mean, again, everything sounds like everyone had a good spring, but Blake Corum, we saw flashes of what he could do. Hassan Haskins, we know what he is. He's going to get you tough yards. He's going to, you know, put his, put his shoulder down. He's a, he's RB one. Like that's the other thing they need to establish too, that you just mentioned is, you know, have, he's, he should be getting 20, 25 carries a game next year. Yeah. Um, and, and Donovan Edwards, like he's a five-star dude and physically looks the part can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like if those are your three guys, you just ride the hot hand and, and you know, you don't need to, this isn't uh you know, T-ball where everyone gets a trophy at the end of the day. And, and, you know, there's ice cream after the game, whether you whiffed at the ball that was on the tee or not um, put your best guys out there. I, I think that's going to be important with the offensive line. I mean, it's, I mean, God, it's important everywhere. Hot take. You need your best players on the field at all times. That's why like, I know for this right? the the last little bit of the show we want to we want to take some questions because I know we got another stream coming up here uh, at eight thirty on the Maze and Brew YouTube channel and I want to use that 
as a jumping off point here, Anthony, uh, some guy, that's his name. I'm not just, just saying some guy in the, the YouTube comments asked this, who will be the returner now that, now that Giles Jackson, uh, is gone. And I would, I don't know, you know, what, what his ball skills are on catching punts or catching kicks or anything like that. But you just mentioned, I would love to see Donovan Edwards be that guy. Cause he is lightning in a bottle. And, you know, if you don't want him to, to get the extra hits because he's going to be used to, in the running back rotation with Corum and Haskins, I get it. But, man, he is electric. That dude's got world-class speed, and that's something that is, it's felt like, you know, Michigan sometimes is lacking. But he's certainly got it, kind of similar to what, what Giles had. So I would personally love to see Donovan Edwards, if he's capable, to, to be maybe the top return guy on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Blake Corum, uh, Daxton Hill, whoever your best. I mean, I have no issue with yeah, whoever Dax your best Hill athlete is. Dax was pick. a good returner in high school, wasn't he? Yeah, that might be my pick. Get get that Jabril Peppers going. That's the thing. Like, if you go back and watch that 2016 year, Jabril saved so many yards of field position by running up and catching punts that everyone else in the country would have let bounce yeah. and take bad bounces and lose 20 yards of field position. You need someone like that. that like if Dax is, you know, he was, he's been labeled as, as the next Jabril coming in, you know, uh, if he go, goes and does that, maybe start using him a little on offense. I don't care. Just, just win some games. Like I, I would be a hundred percent cool with that. Yeah. Get, get your best guy back there. Uh, your most athletic guy. I mean, it was kind of a circus with DPJ back there at times, but I thought he wound up, he was pretty good at that. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, we'll see. I, I don't, uh, I don't have any, I don't have any uh, thing to add there. I, I just I, I, kick returner, punt return. That's one of those things where um, people always ask. I mean, it is important. People ask about it and it's just kind of like, for me, it's more when the game starts and they go, Oh, uh, Blake Corum is returning kicks. Oh, Okay. Yeah, See how that goes. This, this, so this goes back to the Jabril thing, though. Our very own uh, Stephen Osentoski here. He, he said Dax is too valuable for PR duties. Like Jabril was the most valuable dude on that 2016 team, and he he was out there, you know, catching punts. So I like I, I don't see it as a problem. To to be quite honest with you, I know there's always you, you risk you risk injury a little bit. I get that, but if he's I mean, far and away, if he's the guy, dude. if he's if he's gonna flip field position and save field position, like. Michigan's I feel like it has lost a lot on special teams too, you know, like that. I feel like that's very overlooked as a part of this program. So anything you can do to help that I'm I'd be down with. Well, it's one of those things where like, if he was far and away your best guy, then yeah, you get him out there. But if it's, let's just say he's slightly better than Mike Sainer still, or in in terms of that aspect of the game, then you put the other guy and take a little bit less off of Dax's plate. I don't have a problem with that, but um now, they've talked about before on special teams. They have no problem putting their best guys out there because it's a very it's an important. They were terrible uh, in that phase of the game last year, so um, yeah, we'll see. Um, it was just a name, it's Dax Hill. We'll, we'll if it was if it was Dax Hill, if it was if Zach Zinter was your best returner, then yeah, you'd put him. You know, that's all I'm saying here. So, mm. um, but speaking of Steven, here's one for you. What cornerbacks will break through this year? I'll let you start with that, Luke. I mean, they were so bad last year, man. Are, are we really? <laughs> I don't even want to say anyone's going to break through. First of all, I'll I don't know. This, though, that was the only 
position to me, that was the only position group that there was tangible success from season start to season. Yeah. Five, or tangible. I, just, improvement, I, I also yeah. don't when, know when you start 50 feet underwater, then yes, eventually yeah. you might reach the surface. <laughs> this is part of the, the thing. Bug, and okay. I know, I know the spring game was super vanilla, but I, I kind of want to know, you know, like a lot's going to have to do with what Mike McDonald's going to be running back there. You're calling, calling defenses, you know, yeah. like, I don't know who's suited for for whatever scheme that they're going to be running. I would say DJ Turner and Jalen Perry are probably next in line behind Jamon Green and, and Vincent Gray. I think it's all probably in that type of group. Uh, I've I think we might see some big nickel out of them this year, where like you bring in another safety and Dak slides to the slot. Um, mm. you know, they're they're going to do some different some different things and. and you know, we talked about this last week when it ter- comes to Mo Linguist. Like, hopefully it's not too complicated of verbiage and things like that. Um, there are good players on this defense, but I just don't. They're all they're all on the defensive line. Like, I, I don't know where the other good players are at right now. So, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I know, obviously, you, you've got a lot of guys that were, you know, highly touted recruits that are, you know, and some guys that were like freshman to young players last year that I think it's going to be a much better group anyway. Or I hope so. Well, uh, again, like yeah. to quote Chris Castellani, when you start 50 feet underwater, yeah. <laughs> you <know. laughs> if you can see any sunlight swimming towards the top, then you've made yeah. tangible I, progress there. I, I, I will say this. I believe last season, um, Vincent Gray especially, what happened with him was far more reflection of the situations the coaches put him in as opposed mm-hmm. to how he, how I know he wasn't some super highly touted recruit, but when you are getting beat, what was it like seven times in one game in man-to-man coverage, you got to make adjustments on the coaches didn't now when they did and in fairness to Don Brown, I, I know he's gone, but in slight fairness, they did make slight, slight enough adjustments to where you saw Vincent Gray make a few plays in the latter half of the season. And the season was over at that point, but you saw some improvement. I don't believe last year is a reflection of the kind of player he actually is. Same with a lot of these cornerbacks. I think that um, it, that, that was just a, a, a horrible situation, a kind of tornado of awful that went down uh, with the, the constant man-to-man coverages. I, I do think that group will be better. I think they're more talented than how they, how they play. Yeah, the most frustrating thing about the defensive backs last year is that when you go back and watch film of some of those games, and, and I don't recommend that unless they're a sadist, but there are times where like the technique is good. And then for a split second, it's yeah. like the Xbox controller died when they just, it just goes to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of like split second mistakes. Um, and I think a lot, some of that might be lack of awareness and lack of experience and other, you know, I just, I don't know. Maybe someone is playing a controller up in the football heavens and just likes to laugh. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's take what else we got. I think we got time for one more. This one's from Let's Toast Media. We know Jim likes transfers. Can Alan Bowman catch Cade this fall? Not I don't think so. I'd say no. Yeah. Um, I'm of the opinion I've been wrong before. Anyone who's scrubbed through this podcast knows that. <laughs> um, Alan Bowman was brought in to be like the third slash number two quarterback insurance in case there's an injury 
Well, you um, lost two. You know, you lost McCaffrey and you lost Milton. You need bodies. You can't be put in a position. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect Dan Dan Valari. Um, he might he to me he's a folk hero now, but right. you can't put yourself in a position where you're an injury away from him taking snaps in a game because he's not. I, I don't know if he can play or not. I mean, he was the number 1100 recruit in the country and like a last minute replacement. And again, I'm not disrespecting him, but he's he's a body in the room. And if they felt positive about him, they wouldn't go out and get a quarterback transfer. So I know the narrative is that Jim Harbaugh is transfer quarterback happy. And I know that Alan Bowman has started games in the Big 12, but he hasn't been good and he's been injured a lot. So I just feel like he's a break in case of emergency quarterback. But we know how think, how quickly. I mean, they were going to play a game last year where there were had 20 guys available and Mike Barrett was going to be your quarterback out of the Wildcats. So emergency is always possible. Especially, I mean, again, this pandemic might go into the fall. We don't know. So you could lose someone at any point. So to raise the floor of that quarterback room – with at least someone who's played power five games before it's not sexy. And I know what the narratives are around it, but I think Kate is your guy and JJ's the number two. I think that's how this is going to be laid out. I would no be idea. concerned if, if Alan Bowman comes in in like six weeks, catches either of those guys, that's a major concern. And I might just fire everyone right off the bat. If that's the case. Yeah. I just got a little bit triggered when you just mentioned wildcat. I would like to see a lot less of that. this year. Yeah. How about, yeah. How about you, how about you bury it as far? Yeah, put it with the uh, the the uh, Ark, Ark of the Covenant and have it be examined by top men in the, in that same <laughs> from Raiders of the Lost Ark because I don't need I don't need to see that ever again. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think Anthony, what, what you just said, that would be that actually be a massive concern, you know. And it, I'm not gonna disrespect Alan, Alan Bowman and, and say that he's JOK right off the bat, but it would probably, you know, be... I'm not going to not say that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, Oh no, I, yeah, let's, let's hope it goes Cade, then JJ and then Bowman's, you know, kind of a body. Yeah. We don't want to, we want Alan Bowman to like be on the same level of like not knowing the long snappers name this year. Like, just, right. Right. That just means everything's going a okay. What do we got? We, we got one more. Or are we wrapping it up right there. Let's see. This isn't very interesting for the people listening on the podcast afterwards. Just looking for scrubbing through any last. Qu- I don't have anything else here. Um, okay. Here's one last one from Ross. Can Ju- junior Colson be as good as Devin Bush jr. Uh, well, I hope so. Tall order. That'd be nice. I, I, I mean, wishful thinking here. I mean, I don't think it's impossible that he could be that, but man, is that a lot to live up to? If you're asking me if he can be the number 10 overall pick in the draft and an all American and multiple time, all big 10 performer, it's hard for me to say that that's, but the kid can say, don't put the expectations there. If it happens, be excited about it, but I think he's going to play and he's going to play a lot this year. That's my prediction. So yeah, especially enrolling early, like, this I don't think the defense is going to be good. So if you're going to take lumps, I'm not going to do it with, uh, you know, the fifth unnamed Glasgow brother out there. Uh, I'm going to do it with my young guys. So, like, yeah, like I, I hope so. Colson's more likely to be Cam McGrone than Devin Bush. I don't even know what Cam McGrone is, honestly. I don't know what he is. Yeah. He didn't play enough games at Michigan. I'm, I know what he looked like he can be, but 
Who knows? I think that's uh, – and here's from Steve. Wow. Cool thing. Steven wow. says he does have a ceiling closer to that of Micah Parsons. Wow. Oh, I would take that. that. That's a reliable story. that too. every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Um, I think that's – I mean, that's – okay, positive football talk. End the show. Let's go. Yeah, I like it. We're getting there, – there are some positive Wolverine fans left out there, the I guess. Note. I love it. I well, appreciate you guys balancing us out. Yeah. Well, I'll put, I'll put it to you this way. Um, Brandon Graham is one of my favorite Michigan defenders of all time. And he played on one of some of the worst Michigan defenses yeah. I've ever seen. So we can yeah. enjoy individual talents. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, whether they have him uh, playing up front. I mean, he's probably going to play up front. He's going to do the rush linebacker thing, I assume. Um, I'm going to enjoy watching that guy play. I pr- likely will not enjoy watching the, the sum of the parts of the defense. So. Namely the back end, but we'll see what happens. I'd, I'd love to, I would love to be proven wrong because I do think somewhere deep down inside this football team, there are nine to 10 wins. I, I believe it's there somewhere, but I'm not very confident that it's going to happen. Um, this is probably a seven or eight win football team. Yeah. My, my parting shot here way too early, by the way, cause it's still April uh, is that it's felt like when the expectations have been low Michigan exceeds them and when they are high they fall incredibly short of them I don't know like what were the expectations last year I mean we weren't talking Big Ten title we were like I don't remember what the narrative the narrative well, after, was, after I hope Minnesota people were yeah my, yeah my kind of my kind of idea with last season was by the end of the season can we realistically look at this team and say that in 2021 they got a shot at winning the conference? Like I, we knew that last year was in a way going to be kind of a rebuilding year. Um, though I, I would argue year six, you shouldn't be building anything. But uh, I, I was like, if, if by the end of this year, we look at this and say, you know what, this might be a team that, that can compete for something next season. I'd view it as a success. I think I had them going six and three, seven and two. Yeah. Mm, I think right. most, I think most people had about two losses. Where you know two wins was the was more of the the correct prediction on that. So uh, I I don't know I I prefer it to be this way to be quite honest with you than like 2019 where you come in as a top five team in the country yeah. and you kind of lay an egg a little bit against Middle Tennessee and then you really lay an egg against Army like that's not fun. I, I'd rather them try and I'd rather lay an egg and win bit. a game than lay an egg and lose to Michigan state like they did or lose to Wisconsin like they did or lose. Yeah. Can you, can we just like, can you just lose by Ohio state by like 14 this year instead of um, getting 70? And this is the, this is the most ironic thing of it all is that this is maybe the least confident any Michigan fan has been about the football team. Mm -hmm. Yet this might be the most vulnerable Ohio state team coming up that, They've had yeah. in like ten years. Yeah, so, you're probably right. Not getting well, not getting anyone's hopes up. I'm just saying, like, and we know they'll be they'll figure it out by the end of the year. Will yeah. their counterparts? Will their counterpart come to play that last weekend of the year? I don't know. If, I don't if this Ohio State anything. team is more vulnerable than that 28 team, uh, 2018 team, I am going to be uh, uh, really upset when Michigan does not win that game. Well. 2018, at least you knew their quarterback was Dwayne Haskins. Like who's right? Who's I don't know. I don't. I don't year? know. The, 
probably going to be some great transfer or something. Yeah, it'll be, so, yeah it'll be somebody who set the world on fire. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> All right, I know, I know we got to get out of here. Uh, K. Lucas Gaming, uh, apologies we didn't get to any basketball questions. I know this was more of a, a football kind of focused podcast. We'll definitely talk some basketball uh, again next week. I, I saw your Franz question at the, at the top of the show. Apologies that we did not get to it uh, here today, but uh, come back next week and we'll talk about that for sure. I know we got to get out of here. Um, we've got, uh, we got another stream. I'll let Anthony tell you about what's coming up here uh, tonight and tell us where we can find you, Anthony. Yeah. Well, uh, there's another stream coming like 10 minutes from now. And by the time people hear the podcast version of this, it will just be on the YouTube page talking about junior Colson from Steven Ostentowski. So those of you want to stick around and talk some shop, uh, Steven will be on another link stream here on the YouTube page in a couple minutes. And then that will be archived on the site afterwards. But, um, yeah, we're going to do this YouTube Twitch hybrid thing every week. Maybe we'll add Facebook live to it, but Facebook is uh, a cesspool of comments all the time. So yeah. I don't know if I want to add that to this. I think this is pretty. I like, I like the group we got. I, I like, I like, I've been entertained by this chat. My, my team's on the floor, so to speak. So um, the wheel, I'll just say this right now. This isn't a spoiler or anything like wheels are in motion. We will be doing a live stream on NFL draft night um, for the entirety of the first round. There are, I'm still working on what that looks like, but we will be here for all of that. And it's not going to be like, I'm not going to screen share the draft. Like it's more of like a second screen experience type thing. There's a couple fun things I want to do with it. A couple fun guests I'm working on getting on to hang out with. Like, it's just basically a live hangout where we'll take questions, react to picks, things like that. What does the lineup look like? I don't know yet. Who's going to be coming on. I'm working on it. Will there be fun things to do uh, in addition to just us being here? to be determined, but that will be happening next Thursday, April 29th. I believe eight o'clock we'll be here for the entirety of the first round. So we'll, we're gonna have fun with that. Um, and that's, that's my plug for everything this week. Chris, what's going on with your social media, man? Uh, a lot at Castellani 2014. There you'll find the links to everything, the YouTube page. I haven't watched a movie in a few weeks, but uh, I'll get to something here soon. I've been staying busy. Tigers post game videos, Videos have been popping off lately, people. I'm wearing suits now. What, what the hell happened there? Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not fat anymore. I just posted a thing, and people seem to like that. So I have another show at Locked on Tigers. It's at Locked on Tigers on Twitter. I go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of that show. Uh, we got things rolling there. Uh, the Tigers aren't very good, but I think the content has been. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing stuff on Instagram, too. Post stories, you know, more personal stuff, but that's fine. Chris Castle 95, C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. So, uh, yeah, check me out on all those platforms and give me a follow. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitch, there is an I between an H and, and the A in my name. So if you go search that oh, Twitter gosh. handle, uh, it will not work out that well for you. You will not Sabotage. find me. You let the whole show go like that. I did. I, I didn't want to. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I just do that with the when, when the social media time comes. Uh, make sure to follow the Brewcast Show page and page and Maze in Brew. Uh, also, YouTube and Twitch subscribe so you know when we're going live. Seriously, it's so much fun having you guys uh, in the comments asking questions. Love uh, interacting with, with you guys. You guys got some really great questions, so uh, really appreciate that. And uh, definitely subscribe and. 
Uh, for those listening on the podcast, don't forget we're doing the the live thing every Monday night about 7.30, so you can come and check that out. If not, uh, subscribe, rate, leave a review. You can ask questions in the comments on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Uh, we'll get to those as well. So for my partners, Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.